Father, we pray that you grant us peace. We pray also, Lord, that your presence be with us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. To see familiar faces, attending services even during these uh, very challenging times. But announcements have been made, right? Earlier this week, it kind of lifted up the spirit a little bit. You know what the announcements made, right, by Prime Minister? He says there will, there's a light at the end of the tunnel toward, uh, toward this year. And um, that um, more people can be added to visiting your homes and also three more added to perhaps going out to catch up dinner. And this is one time I noticed that when the PM made a speech, there weren't any mad rush in Xingxiong, NTUC, Giant, and all the supermarkets. And this is a healthy sign, a good sign, good news. However, much as the vaccine is a welcome news, it is not totally a relief news. Why so? Because the vaccine can help us or protect us or immunize us to COVID-19. But this vaccine cannot, I repeat, cannot cure humanity sin virus. Because the vaccines that we're going to get, it will, be, it, will, it will last for a time. And even if it lasts for a time, let's say our lifetime, at the end of the day, eventually, we have got to leave this place, Right? But the vaccine, the vaccine that God has given us will last a lifetime even though when we leave earth. So won't you agree that to find the vaccine for humanity's virus sin is better, greater than the vaccine that we have? I'm not saying that the vaccine that we're going to be immunized um, to is no good, but I'm just offering you because Christmas is just around the corner. It is not once a year that we come and listen. And who would be the person that we're going to come to listen to? You know that Christmas is about Jesus, but do you and I really know who Jesus is? So this is where it's very timely this season of Christmas brings for us to increasingly, not decreasingly, increasingly be amazed and love for Jesus in his birth to bring hope, to bring light, to bring life to a hopeless, dark and dead world. And so we have a glimpse of who Jesus is from God's word. And it's taken from John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. So what captured my eyes are the words, in the beginning. So that since there is no newcomers here, I'm assuming that either you're a member or a regular. So we, we would have known, where do we see that word, in the beginning? Not too long ago. Two weeks ago, in fact, right? That we did the book, we just finished uh, the book of Genesis. And so Genesis 1-1, slide. In the beginning, 
slide. God, no, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Okay, all right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So we know that the book of Genesis is all about beginnings. Can you tell me some of the beginnings? What would be the first one? Okay, slide can come on now. The beginnings of universe. And then later on, the beginning of mankind. The beginning of Sabbath day. The beginning of marriage between Adam and Eve. The beginning of sin. The beginning of judgment. The beginning of rescue plan. Beginning of family. Beginning of flood. And the nations. In short, we can summarize the, the book of Genesis into two parts. And that is four great events, meaning formation, fall, flood, and fallout, which belongs to the primeval history, and then four great people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, which falls under the patriarchal history. And who do you think God is interested in between these two? Events or people? Of course, it is people, right? Why? Because there's more description given to people than events. The accounts of events are given only two chapters in Genesis. And so we can safely say that the book of Genesis is about God reaching out to people. Fallen, deceitful, murderous, rebellious people beginning with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Seth, and the Shemites from this lineage come, came Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And when we trace it, we did trace it, right, during the book, our studies, trace it all the way to New Testament, we get Jesus Christ. And it can be said that God selects of a people which later became nations of the earth so that He can bring forth his son, the Messiah, to be the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And what is that? The head of the serpent will be crushed. It may seem that Jesus was a later addition because of recorded genealogies in Genesis. But I want to ask you, what is the book of Genesis not about? You can shout wherever you are. What is Genesis not about? We know that Genesis is about the beginning, right? But what is Genesis not about? The book of Genesis somehow doesn't mention about the beginning of God. Do you realize that? Genesis 1 tells us, in the beginning God created the universe. So we know that that makes God the creator. Can we agree on that? But interestingly, the book of John, rather than Genesis, sheds more light into the beginnings of God. Or for that matter, the spotlight or the focus is more on Jesus, the Word. Yet, the thrust or the common one thread that runs through is the same. And that of the spiritual well-being and wellness of his creation is of great concern to God. As we see that in slide John 20, 31, but these are written 
that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. And so the following verses of John will reveal more of who Jesus is beyond the beginnings of creation. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And following, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only, who came from the Father, full of grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, next that caught my eyes is the word, is, is that of the word with God in the beginning. So if I understood right, at the very start, before even the beginnings of the creation of the world, the word was already there, there with God. Slide. And this is how it looks. The first slide was God creates the world in the beginning. When we come to John, it is God plus the Word in the beginning, right? So, simply that was my understanding. And, sim and my simple understanding would be that the Word was with God would have stood outside of time and space even before the creation of the world. How so? Because John 1.3 tells us that the Word now addressed as Him, the second person, and through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And so, it was in the beginning when God said. God said what? God said the word. Let there be light, and there was light, and so on and so forth, as we know where we have read in the book of Genesis. So can you tell me who is the word or who is him? Because it is through the Word, or through Him, that the world was created. And we see this progressively revealed to us from verse 14. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Confirmed in verse 17, grace and truth came through who? Came through Jesus Christ. And double confirmed in verse 18. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Wow, there's a lot to take in. And I was preparing this passage. I found it very, very exhilarating because it made me better understand the Jesus I believe. See, the Word is Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. And Jesus was not just with God, but Jesus is God at the same time. That means Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. Far out, isn't it? Maybe you all have known. Maybe you all have read. You have knowledge that in the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. 
But have we really pondered that? Because He is gone. Right? He is gone. He is so far out. He is there. He is transcendent. So then God, that means God, Jesus and the Spirit, is not created beings, but the creator of the beginnings of the world. Now as if this understanding is not enough, will it ever move you to humility to know that Jesus, who is God, eternal, creator, made His dwelling among us, bound by time and space. God who created the world came down, bound by time and space, to make His dwelling among us. Now, most of you would know of my past and how messed up my life was. Now, never thought anyone would give me the time of day to understand how I became what I was in my younger days. And on the last occasion in prison, the one person I wasn't expecting to visit, besides my mom and Grace, my wife, bothered enough to come, and that person was Pastor Christopher Chia. His visits made the difference for me to know that he cared enough to go through the long and unfamiliar drive to Admiralty Road, which is north of Singapore, and, and go through security protocol, and then go through stringent checks, and waiting longer than the visit itself to see me. Now that's why I stick around. And although he is my contemporary and, and peer, he is still my favourite pastor. You please go and tell him. Huh? So that next year I got bonus. Guess he's following the footsteps of Jesus, who though is God, please capture that, yeah? Who though is God, eternal creator, ordered to dwell among us, must surely humble us to worship Jesus for who He is and what He has done. How is this even remotely possible? Word became flesh and dwells among us, huh? I'm reminded afresh, whenever I'm at the crossroads of questions, that the ways of God is assuredly far infinite and supernatural and not how my finite and natural mind could possibly inquire. And also, I have learned over my faith journey that when I start to question things beyond my finite and natural ability, I would admit, God, you win. Because your finiteness is beyond our finitude. You are supernatural. We are natural. You are eternal and we are mortal. You get the drift here? This message, last message of the year, at least for folks coming here, 
is to remind us of who Jesus really is. Question all you want. I'm asking you to stop your questioning. Question all you want. But if you can't get all life questions answered, you have to humbly bow and acknowledge that Jesus is the only answer you and I are to look for. So this is the story of Vanessa. She came back, she moved back to Australia after spending nine months in Montreal, Canada. And when she came back, she has got nothing. Nowhere to live, no furniture, nothing other than her clothes, books, and some other things. And then she was going through tough times and hard times. And somehow she came to know that her younger sister was given an opportunity to speak at a conference. But the problem was, it was a good news to receive that. The problem was that Vanessa knows that her younger sister called Di, D-I, or short for Diana, I suppose, couldn't afford to get to the conference. But the instruction to Vanessa was loud and clear that night and the next morning because of a dream. So what she did? She sent to her younger sister $220 towards her transportation to bring her to the conference. And this is what Vanessa said. I was scared and I wasn't. It made no sense because herself really so poor. But I did it. And so Vanessa texted her sister Di and said, Hi Di. I'm stretching myself and pouring out. I have no income and down to my last dollars. I tell you this not so to make you feel guilty or think highly of me, but so you can celebrate in the joy of what it truly means to trust as we wait and watch what happens next. <laughs> Vanessa continues, what I'm sharing here didn't come with a promise of blessings. I wasn't trying to be a martyr. I wasn't testing God. There was a qualifier in that she, she's not persuaded by the health and wealth of prosperity gospel because that is what she was exposed to. But in her giving the money to her sister, she wasn't expecting anything in return. She simply trusted God. And that she figures God will have something up his sleeve. And he did. That very day, he had lunch, she had lunch with a friend that she has not met many years ago. And to cut the long story short, at this meet with her friend, an envelope was pushed across the table. The friend left for the washroom, Vanessa opened up, pulled out the check, and the check was made out to her for an amount of $2,442. That is about 10 times more than she has given her sister. See, brothers and sisters, if Jesus cared and bothered enough to dwell among us, Surely, we can trust fully 
he cares and borders with the issues of our lives. Don't you think so? See, the next few verses of chapter 1, or for, for that matter, the following verses of chapter 1 of John, it is written for us to understand like how the author understood that to be, Jesus is the eternal, the divine, the creator. Don't miss out on that. Or scholars like to say that Jesus is, being, is the co-equal, the co-eternal, and the co-existent person of the Trinity. Now it is meant to capture not only our thoughts of who Jesus is, but our hearts to respond in humble worship. That eternity has entered into history. That divinity into humanity. So that by believing, we may have life in Jesus' name. And there's more about Jesus in that the characteristics described of Jesus is that of glory, grace, and truth. And we see that in verse 14, He is full of grace and truth. And what does it mean? It means that the word grace, or in, 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 in Greek, or hesed in Hebrew, is mentioned three times in the prologue, in the introduction, right? And all of them describes the word becoming or becoming flesh. Simply, it means that by Jesus taking on flesh, that is already grace, my dear friends and sisters and brothers. This transformed Jesus of the Bible to the body and also the God of law to the God of life itself is grace. Can you see that? And His grace is seen also in laying down His life for His people, giving eternal life that is the cure for the vaccine of human, humanity's sinful virus, and sending His another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, to those who believe. And you think you and I deserve it? I almost cried and I almost break down when I read that again. Because last year, I preached something like that. It didn't cross my mind, it didn't cross my heart, it didn't cause, cause through my emotions. But this time around, it's different. Perhaps maybe I'm older and I'm going first before you all. And then what does it mean by truth? I understand that truth in Hebrew is emet. And the Greek is alethia. It has the root meaning of reliability. God is reliable in both His words and actions. Meaning, He can be depended upon to carry out what He promises. And His words are always true. When John the author says the word incarnate was full of grace and truth, he is affirming that the reliability of action and word promise of God may also be the same that of Jesus. You see that? So the word is reliable and truthful. He speaks the truth. He testifies to the truth. 
and embodies the truth about God and His plan of salvation. In fact, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Amen? This grace and truth is very central to the glory of God as revealed in the incarnate word. And there's more, even more, of who Jesus is. And we read here in Philippians 2, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature out of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now this passage, just like the above two references that I are by, are a sermon by itself. Because there's so much richness. And I only hope I'll do some justice to God's word here. Now it is clear from reading here that Jesus, who is God, gave up his privilege and position for reason that he counted the interests of others as more significant than his own. The others, you can fill in your name. God, or Jesus for that matter, he counted the interests of Sujie, Nicholas, Alvin, Eric, Karen, T, Adrian, Wesley. You got to personalize it, my dear brothers and sisters. Because I noticed that entitlement is the big word used by us today. Because you're a husband, only you, only you have the say. Or because you, have a, you are a wife, what I cook, you eat. Or because you're a son or a daughter, you think the whole world owes you a living beginning with your parents. Or because you are a boss, you unjustly hold out the AWS, I know which supplement, even if it is in the contract. Or because you are an employer, prote employee protected under labor law, you think you can demand for increment where you don't, or you didn't do much. Or because you have a past like me, you think you should, you should be pitied and help more than others and I can go on and you, and you think it's right. Jesus, who in very nature God, count himself not equal to God. If you have an issue with your entitlement, please use this verse for your personal contemplation. And he didn't stop there. Jesus made himself nothing. Metaphorically means he gave up status and privilege within the context of Philippians. Yeah? Now Paul stresses that Christ who had all the privileges that were rightly his as king of the universe, gave them up to become an ordinary Jewish baby bound for the cross. 
Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. When he had every right to stay comfortably where he was, in a position of power, but his love drove him to a position of weakness for the sake of you and I, for the sake of sinful humanity. And so, the emptying consisted of his becoming human, not of his giving up any part of his true identity. So Jesus was both human and divine, what they call divine paradoxical or paradox. He was both the Davidic Messiah descended from David according to his flesh and the sinless saviour of sinners. There's more. Jesus became obedient to death on the cross. What does that tell us? Simply, he needs to die that you and I may live. Are we not ashamed of ourselves? The high and mighty, the proud and the arrogant, the self-pitiful inward-looking folks that we are, that Jesus, the Son of God, has to die so that you and I may live? And so someone, quite some time ago, forwarded a text to me, which tells how real death of Jesus is to one boy. And it goes like this. So this boy named Brohan was a very dull boy, and his peers used to call him names. And you know when you're dull, name-calling is almost certain. Stupid, bodo, gundu. And slide comes on. You know why? Because, can you see the... Okay, I, I suppose you can see. So as a Muslim, he studies in, in Madrasa, and that's the score that he got for math, English, science, and social sciences. Then, his parents was not happy, take him out and enroll him to a government school. And the following results he got was even worse, actually. And he says that all schools are good. As parents, definitely were very disappointed. As parents, I think we will be disappointed, right? but still decided now to put him in a mission school. And the first term, Bohan passed really with flying colours. If you are the parent, you would be very, very happy. Why you think is the result so drastic? His parents could not believe it. And they ask him how he managed to pass. You copy, ah? because when you when all the time you fail, ah, and you suddenly get good results, copy, lah. You can never think good of if you if you if you have a son or daughter like that, right? And then that's what Bohan answered. Pa, ma. When I saw a man kneel on the cross. I knew that these teachers don't joke with students here. Did you all get it? Okay, probably because of your mask. 
Well, at least someone took the death of Christ seriously enough to make him change his ways. So now I ask you, what about you? The death on the cross of Jesus Christ. Has it dawned on you here and here? So much that it can change you? This is real death for real sin. Aren't you convinced yet? Jesus, who is eternal, who is God, who is creator, came down as a form of man, as a servant, dying on the cross for you and me. And for this reason, he was exalted, highly exalted, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And that is the name that is every name that we all must bound to. And his name is J-E-S-U-S, he's the king of my life. You can clap, I'm sure. J-E-S-U-S, he's the king of my life. Ooh, he sees my souls from sin. Sad the Holy Ghost within. J-E-S-U-S, he's the king of my life. da 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 Jesus being given this name, the name that is above every name, is a sign that he exercises his messianic authority in the name of Yahweh. Aren't you dumbfounded yet? You know what, friends? Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This, my friends, have you noticed the title? You all don't have physical bulletin, but have you, have you downloaded your e-bulletin? Have you noticed the title? I titled it as, how do you pronounce? Can we have the first slide? I mean, if you can. If you cannot, never mind. I spell it as, Small letter I-T, apostrophe S, it's big caps C-H-R-I-S-T, hyphen, small letters M-A-S. And how do you pronounce it? We pronounce it as Christmas. Maybe we start a movement here. After today's sermon, where you meet each other during Christmas time, he says, Blessed Christmas. Because Christ is at the center of Christmas. What, what, what does it mean, Christmas? It doesn't mean anything, Christmas. It's just if you read the letter carefully. But if it is Christ at the center, then it makes all the difference. Christ at the center of your life, it makes all the difference. Right? Amen? We may want to start the movement here beginning from Bishan. And they cannot say that nothing good comes out from Bishan. So, in ending, how is knowing Jesus as eternal God, creator, saviour, transforming you? That is one. How is knowing Jesus being a servant made in human likeness transforming you to be deeply concerned about the spiritual state of others. Let me tease it out a little bit. 
So how far would you go to love one another, especially the undeserved? So I remembered there was a team that went to Taiwan in 2011 for a short-term mission in support and encouragement to our missionary Sydney, right, during Christmas time, around this time. So one of the nights we went out caroling and a group of volunteers from the Bible College together with the various churches and Christian organizations, we went along. And so while we were walking, we were walking about in an area just outside the temple, right? I think the, one of the tourist, um, touristy place that usually the tour guides will bring them is Longshan, Longshan Temple, right, in Taiwan. Anyway, a lot of the misfits, social misfits actually hung out around there. And suddenly, and I saw and I noticed, one of the ladies with us, with, with the group, she ran ahead of us and she went to hug this person that I can, obviously was very unkempt, obviously I think have not bathed for don't know how long. The lady just hugged him and said, we didn't hear, we didn't hearing, Yaso Aili. Taiwan speaks, Taiwanese speaks Hokkien, huh? meaning to say, Jesus loves you. Yaso Aili. And started chatting with this, this chap like old acquaintance. And what I witness is nothing short of unhindered love of God that works within this woman's heart. How willing are you to obey God? So do you know that we have been hosting the guest worker for close to two months now? Right? And since Monday, we have been hosting them every day and it's going to be until the 24th of December. And some of you here, right, I notice you have step up and to serve. And how we come about to adopt a dorm of, of guest workers, I want to believe it's an act of obedience like how Jesus did when he didn't consider himself equal, but came to serve. Do you have a, do you have a picture there? The, the two pictures at the end? Oh, sorry about that. Yep, right, so this is, yeah, putting our senior pastor. Every day he's got to be there to give uh, the talk. So, yeah, but thank you so much, uh, those who have stepped up. And if you notice, there where are all the guys gone to? Huh? There are more ladies and women, uh, what do you call it? Volunteers than men. So can I challenge you, man? You have got, we have got to take that lead, yeah? Can? For, next, for, for this coming few, few days, if you, you are willing to, uh, availing yourself to, to, to do this work. And so we thank God that every day our DG folks responded in faith and obedience, although we are like what? No, chicken and dung. Chicken and dung, not because they speak Tamil, we speak English. No, no. We can speak English, but we still cannot understand each other. Right? Very interesting. And what do you call that? They step up obediently. Never mind, it's okay. All I need to do, I smile. Cannot smile, can smile, right? Can. You smile, I know you smile because your eyes become, your eyes become small. The smaller it is, the bigger your smile. But our folks wore their hearts on their sleeve. 
put on the biggest and best smile they know how, and they serve obediently like Jesus. Third, how far would you go to serve? Now, very few of us who are high achievers would want anything to do with the marginalized, if I notice correctly, or for that matter, correct me if I'm wrong. And the Mercy Ministry prison team, however, bans that trend and have quite a few high achievers, both public and private, who goes in and out of prison, sharing life-transforming gospel, sharing their life, sharing their time, sharing their talents, and sharing even their treasure too. Although that is not enough, some of the images they sit with could even be someone who have betrayed them previously. Yet, that didn't stop them from faithfully serving. And I thank God that He raised folks who are faithful to God and committed in serving. And I'm most proud of them. Fourth, how willing are you to give up your comforts? I don't know whether you are aware of this. Among my colleagues are scholars. Now, why would they give up a lucrative and promising career to become church worker and missionaries if not for being convinced and convicted who Jesus really is? That He is the answer to their life's problem. He is the answer, the vaccine, the vaccine to humanity's sinful virus that we are all part of. The problem. By all means, make merry this Christmas. But please remember, the person and the presence of Jesus Christ coming into the world gives Christmas. It's fuller and real meaning. Let us pray. What God goes so far as to come down from heaven to earth to save sinful mankind. Only that of your great love manifested in your son's obedience humility, and service. May this Christmas be not the same as the previous, in that I pray you illumine our heads and our hearts to the person and presence of Jesus Christ, truly to be that of God, eternal, creator, and saviour. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.